Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Funds. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Weekly Commentary. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is June 18th, 2018. I run a trade deficit with Costco, and it's growing. Every year, my wife and I buy increasing amounts of stuff from their shelves, but they never seem to want to buy what I have to sell, which is primarily investment ideas and speeches. I should perhaps mention that we also run deficits with Whole Foods, CVS, the cable company, the electricity company, the auto service guys, and a myriad of other businesses. Fortunately, we run a trade surplus with J.P. Morgan Chase. We buy a small amount of banking and investment services from them, but they are heavy consumers of my investment ideas and speeches and pay me enough at this stage of my life for our trade surplus with them to more than outweigh our trade deficit with everybody else. I should point out, although it's perhaps obvious, that I don't lose any sleep over this state of affairs. Moreover, if Costco decide to sell more delicious cookies, or to cut their prices by 10%, and if that caused us to spend more of our income with them, we still wouldn't have a problem. What matters is that overall we run a trade surplus, and this allows us every year to save something for the day when either the demand for, or the supply of, my investment ideas and speeches dries up. I should also note that we didn't always run a trade surplus. When we were younger and parents of young children, there were years when we spent more than we earned. This meant that we ran a trade deficit overall and had to borrow the money to fully fund our excursions to Costco and other stores. However, we didn't worry about too too much about that either. When we were younger, we could reasonably hope that my revenue from investment ideas and speeches would grow over time, allowing us to move from an overall trade deficit to an overall trade surplus. It's also worth pointing out that at that time there would have been no point in unilaterally cutting the price of my investment ideas and speeches, a sort of devaluation of the David dollar. To do so might have increased the numbers demanded, but I was already working as many hours as I possibly could. I simply needed to come up with more valuable investment ideas and more impactful speeches. One last thing. We would strenuously object. If the government decided to levy a special tax on our purchases at Costco, that would just make us poorer. We would have an even greater problem if some other government in retaliation decided to tax the services I sell to J.P. Morgan. That could cut their demand for investment ideas and speeches, hurting our standard of living for a second time. And this, of course, is how America should think about its trade deficit. First, last year, as a nation, we ran a trade deficit of $807 billion in goods and, in goods, and a trade surplus of $255 billion in, surpluses, in services, netting out to a combined goods and services deficit of $552 billion, or 2.8% of GDP. We didn't lose $552 billion any more than my wife and I lost money in Costco. Both we and the United States got a lot of good stuff for our money. However, in the case of the US, this did mean increasing our foreign debt. Second, it really doesn't matter with whom we run a trade deficit and with whom we run a trade surplus. The key is we should now, as a nation, be trying to move towards a small trade surplus overall. The U.S. population is aging, and while younger emerging market economies have plenty of time to grow their economies, as an immature economy, we shouldn't be living beyond our means. Third, the best way to reduce our trade deficit as a nation is to reduce our budget deficit. Even if the private sector lived exactly within its means, and so we funded investment spending through savings, a growing government budget deficit will lead to a growing trade deficit in the long run. Fourth, While a lower dollar could have helped reduce our trade deficit a few years ago, when we had a lot of labor market slack, it would be less effective today, 
since the U.S. economy is now at full employment and can't easily produce more goods and services, even if we unilaterally cut our prices relative to the rest of the world. We might even make ourselves poorer if we fail to make up in volume what we lost in margins. Finally, in the absence of action on the budget deficit, tariffs can only harm the U.S. economy, both by pushing up the cost of the stuff we buy and because of retaliation reducing the demand for the stuff we sell. While it is true that tariffs all round could lead us to produce and consume more at home without trading with the rest of the world, it's probably just as bad an idea as me cutting back on my speeches and taking up baking cookies instead of buying them at Costco. The whole point of trade is the mutual benefit of people specialising in those things at which they are most proficient. And this counts for countries just as much as people. Trade talk will likely dominate the investment environment in the week ahead. While the new US tariffs imposed so far are limited to 25% on steel imports and 10% on aluminum imports, tariffs on $50 billion of Chinese imports are scheduled to take effect on July 6th. Trading partners have already retaliated for the former, and China promises to retaliate in kind for the latter. Trade tensions have also been heightened by a very angry rhetorical battle with Canada and Mexican elections on July 1st that promised a complication after negotiation talks. In the midst of this, the Commerce Department will announce a current account deficit on Wednesday that could be over $130 billion for the first quarter, or 2.6% of GDP. In an economy where demand is likely to outstrip supply over the next year, this trade deficit will likely rise, potentially exacerbating the politics around trade. Other economic numbers should look solid, with steady housing starts and home sales and positive early reads in June manufacturing activity from the Philadelphia Fed and Market. With unemployment claims hovering at an almost 46-year low, and real GDP growth tracking above 4% for the second quarter, the economy should be very supportive of the stock market. However, a growing risk is that a misunderstanding of both the global politics and economics surrounding trade undermines momentum in what, is, what remains an old and still healthy economic expansion. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.